1: I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we
2: touch him? No, don't.
0: Help me. Help. Help.
2: Good morning. Good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly ward Man Cave in the piney woods of north central Florida in God's country. And we are, of course, in the Melon Law Studio, great supporter of ours. Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators and a full service legal firm. Protected 24-7-365 by Crime Prevention with John Pastore and Randy Elrad. Great supporters. Get your crime protection locally. They'll take good care of you. I've had them for years. Personally, we've got them here at the Warthog Command Center. And of course, um, we have a lot of other great sponsors getting on here with us. We'll talk about them at the bottom of the hour, and of course, that's when we'll do the weather, compliments of Lewis Oil. So um, we're on a roll here today because this is our Thursday. Normally, it would have been last month, but I was out. Uh, you know, the nephew got married in San Diego and all that business. So um, we are, are now moving into this month, and we're going to be talking with Kim Tuttle about exciting, exciting news, not just for Dance Alive National Ballet, but for the whole community. And that is a biggie. There's a story to this about what it's taken. All the buy-in, all the people who have had to sign off to this because it's, it's, been, um, it's involved a, uh, a, another use of property, and it's involved, therefore, the city getting involved and, and okaying and signing off on the zoning. And now we're into a, a public presentation of this, and then there'll be fundraising. Uh, we've got Kim here to talk about it. We have also got pictures, which Kim will narrate as we go along. <laughs> so it's a, it's a really exciting development for Dance Alive National Ballet because it's going to be called the Dance Alive Arts Center. And by that, we mean more than just dance. So, Kim, welcome to the show. Thank uh, you. Talk a little bit about what has, it's taken to get to this spot. Well,
1: uh, Dance Live has been alive for 57 years, right? And we have been in the primary location, which is um, right off of Main Street, Northwest 2nd Street behind that, um, in Fall Dance Studios. My sister and I own Fall Dance Studios, but the ballet company works from 9 to 3 every morning, and then we have the school in the afternoon. It's just not enough time, and it's just not enough space to do what we need to do. So as we have come closer to retirement age, and as we have discussed with the board, the board had voted on actually building a new uh, facility for Dance Live so that we can sell this property um, and and get something that really is right for this company. And we're going to fold Fall Studios into Dance Live, so it will be one nonprofit uh, with dance instruction. and the And the thing that's really escalated is. My dream had always been to have a music and dance academy all my life. I'm a pianist. I love music. I think it's really important for dancers to know music and um, makes a difference in people's lives. All of that makes a difference. All the arts make a difference in people's lives. So we now have three dance studios that we scheduled to have included in this new building. Three music studios, an art gallery, a black box theater, theater. Um, and an outdoor space that we can have plein air painting. Uh, just, there's just no end to what we can do in this facility um, with a very cohesive approach to the arts. So that dream started a long time ago. Now um, we all decided, the board decided, and thank you, Ward, for being the impetus behind you know, the vote. Um, we decided five years ago to do this, and we've been searching for the proper Uh, spot. We have looked at buildings that are intact. Uh, We have looked at buildings for renovation. We have looked for property. Um, It's been a difficult, difficult struggle because it needs to be a large space. It needs to be a large space. Every dance studio has to have space. And um, space means acreage (laughs) or rooms. Uh, And nothing has really fit until we found this gorgeous property that everybody has wanted. It's on the corner in Gainesville, in the corner of Northwest 39th Avenue and 34th Street, which are two huge arteries, east, west, north, south. And it's in the geographical center of Gainesville. It's adjacent to Gethsemane Lutheran Church, which is immediately to its north. As, as you see that the white spot is the building and then right above that, you see an entrance, a driveway entrance, and immediately above that is Gethsemane Lutheran Church. So uh, what you're seeing is just a, a bird's-eye view of the building, which is on the corner of Northwest 34th Street and 39th Avenue, and the parking that goes around it, and the two entrances, one off of 39th Avenue and one off of 34th Street. Those are egress, ingress. Uh, can you bring up the next one, Zach, which is the, the same top view, but with you know, all the, that one. Yeah. So can you lower just a tad or enlarge? That's good. All right. So surrounding it. Uh, yeah. Surrounding it all is a buffer of trees. There's a hundred feet on the east side. That's to your right. There's 80 feet um, to your south side. That's Toward the bottom, there's 40 feet to the left and about 20 feet to the north, which is the boundary between the church and the the building. This building and property, it's five and a half acres of of property. It was zoned um, single family dwelling. The church is zoned a PUD or PD, planned development. Uh, There are several planned development areas around that. So when we spoke to the church as uh, look that's I the uh, break I'll interrupt myself for a second that's the facing 39th Avenue um, vision of the building and what you're seeing on the left is the black box and what you're seeing on the right is storage and on the other side is all are all the uh, the studio spaces and the administrative um, offices and dressing room and bathroom spaces um, James Blythe uh, of level is the architect done a phenomenal job and pro bono to this point I might add. That is the side that is kind of caddy corner. Um on to your right it's facing 34th and to your north where all the windows are that's the lobby and that's you can see on the left hand side a little circle there. That's going to be the drop off point for um both uh students and for people attending the black box performances. So We have uh, submitted this to the 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 suggestion and the request for zoning change to the city commission and the zoning board, and everyone has approved wholeheartedly. We have won unanimously, I might add, uh, to change it. The resolution was to change it so that dance lab can be there, and it's changed to PUD. Our PD, either one you can use. And um, we have one more meeting, August 17th, which is confirming and finalizing it. It's always open to the public to speak. Uh, we had one person at the last, um, at the last meeting, uh, just a, a person who wanted to speak to it, and she said after our, our um, presentation that she had no more questions. We had answered all her questions and that she was retiring uh, next year and she would love to be a volunteer to help. She was going to be complaining, but because all her questions were answered to her satisfaction, instead she's going to be volunteering. So I think that we have answered all the needs of the neighborhood. Then the, the thing that I want everyone to know is it is such a gem, uh, such a center for the arts. Hmm. There's nothing like that in this area. The nearest one, there's a black box in the Phillips Center, which is used a lot by the university, um, like theater department. So it's not exclusive for community. And then the Riley Center Black Box in uh, Ocala. What we're going to do is open our Black Box for nonprofit arts organizations at reduced rates and for other events. We're not looking at weddings and those kinds of things. We're looking really at the arts, um, poetry readings, chamber music ensembles, um, kids' birthday parties, you know, those kinds of things. So um we have all of our teachers lined. I've had three baby grands donated already and two uprights. Um I have the, the instructors uh that are for the music are um expressing their interest. And that would be uh, Liz Graham, who just uh, retired, is retiring this year from the University of Florida. Kevin Sharp has expressed an interest in Raymond Chavez the conductor. They are all retiring or have retired from the University of Florida, but they're ex- exquisite artists. And it would be such a boon to have them. What um, a lineup.
2: What a lineup, if I might interrupt. Yeah. To have it, those people of that quality want yeah. to be involved with this. And might you just uh, take a moment to explain for those who don't know the term, black box, what all that means. Oh, and- sure, yeah. sure. I remember
1: one person uh, when we were looking at the women's club for a possibility and they had decided not to sell, uh, someone asked, "What is is it going to be black? Well, the, a black box is just a kind of an, a theatrical term for a, a large studio space that has lights, that has performance potential. It has uh, seating. Uh, seating can either be um, fixed or it can be unfixed. So to speak. So it can be an empty room, or it can have uh, portable risers and chairs put in around it. It can be formatted in any any way. It can be in the round. It can be facing one direction. It can be facing three directions. It's a very it's a flex space, so to speak. And there's an entrance, a performance entrance um, behind the behind the theater for performers to come into. Uh, there will be a curtain. And uh, kind of like wings to the side so that, that any performers can be hidden, you know, at the, at the rear of it or not. And, of course, there'll be screens and that kind of thing. Uh, again, it's just it's 60 by 60. It's not enormous. It seats about 200. And um, just but not enormous is 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 fine. Your you know,
0: is
2: pretty good. Yeah. You, could have, yeah, you could have theater in the round there. You could have a number of things.
1: Absolutely. It's yeah. just, it's a remarkable, I can tell you that I am so um, overwhelmed by the support of the board, our board of trustees, incredible people who are 100% behind it, and by the community. I mean, we've already had. We haven't even gone into our capital campaign yet because we wanted to really wait for the main thrust until after this zoning was approved. You never know, you know, but we want to have that completed before, before we start our thrust. But we've already had a million dollars donated, uh, pledged, uh, and we have another million dollars waiting to be pledged. Um, we're looking at it's probably going to be around six million. Um, there may be we we have a. a potential for an additional storage unit building separate from that building in the future if we need it. And the way you have to do zoning, if you if, if it's, it's applying for a PUD and you add on to what you've already applied for. So say we have our building, but oh, gee whiz, we want to add another building. Well, then you have to go through the whole process again. So what we want to do is add on anything that we might want to have in the future and just have it complete. We may not need it, at this time, but we have it available to us in the future. So (laughs) extraordinary, extraordinary um, donation, generous donation to the city of Gainesville, I think, um, for the arts. It's really a gift, I think, that we need.
2: Well, we're talking to Kim Tuttle, who has been um, wishing upon a star, shall we say, for (laughs) uh, lo these many years, and uh, it's um it 's remarkable that this piece of property a was sitting there, and b it took some negotiating and um, selling uh talent to convince the church, but you know who could be against the arts I mean really, when you think about it, and particularly the involvement of children all the way up to adults, families. Uh, for the whole community, talk a little bit about what else is in there—the art gallery, uh, things like that. Well, if, let's go back
1: to the um, the oh, the overview with the different naming for the rooms, Zach. If you could, can you do the the bird's eye view? There's Zach. Oh. sure thing. Yeah, you had it up once, but I can explain it a little bit better. That's the one, yeah. Now, if you look at the top, I mean, you look at the side. Sorry, you look at the side. Yeah, the right side. There's a um, a drop-off point uh, at the southeast side, the, the the bottom right-hand side. That's a drop-off. And you see uh, some purple rooms that say music studios. Those are the, the bottom right corner. Those studios are... For for the sake of sound buffering, they're on that corner. They look small, but they're really like 15 by 12 each, which is a good size for the studios. So that kind of peach-colored entrance is our right beside it. Is the one door that we're going to let everybody in. We do have other doors, of course. You know that the emergency doors and things like that. But for safety purposes, we have one door. You walk in on the left side. That kind of pink. That's going to be the studio, the dance studio office. So there are windows there. We'll be able to look out all over those benches and those entrances. So any kids that come in, we can see them. That's another safety factor. Uh, on the right, there's a little bit of an orange. Those will be the entrances to the music building, the music rooms and bathrooms. Even more of a buffer. You continue going upwards, and on the on the right, there are three pink little studio spaces they're not studios rather the office spaces the first one is going to be the reception space that reception space is going to be for anyone that walks in that building everyone has to check in continuing up a little bit on the right side there's a large kind of a peach colored space that's the lobby in that lobby we have a gorgeous 16 foot high statue of a piece called tango there are two dancers that are like a bronze sculpture that um was created by Larry Young, who was an Olympic uh, race walker turned artist when he retired. Gorgeous piece, which is going to be the centerpiece of the lobby. Uh, On the left, there's a kind of a purple fuchsia uh, hallway. That's going to have a door. That door is the entrance to all of the dance studio spaces so that no one can go in there without being first checked in by the receptionist that's just another safety feature. Um, The yellow there is for children, uh, the younger children to dress in. Um, If you go a little bit farther left along that purple, you'll see a purple line that goes down and that goes into the large kind of a turquoise space, which is the large dance Mm -hmm. studio. Going back up the purple and a little bit more to the left, there are several uh, dressing room spaces. There's a physical therapy room. There are Two more dance studios to the top, those two turquoise ones. Um, And then there's a green space. That's the green room. There'll be a doorway there and then also an exit from the green room. So you can exit into the, the deeper purple space, which is the back entrance to the black box. Now, the front entrance to the black box, you go back to the right and you see that the entrance, that kind of coral colored hallway. You go down up that hallway and then to the left, there is a 50-foot walkway that's 10 feet wide with um, f- on windows all along the exterior and on the interior, a uh, flat um, wall, no windows in that wall. And that's our art gallery. It's the Ward and Barbara Scott Art Gallery uh-huh. for our donations that you made for that beautiful art gallery. And that's also the entrance into the Black Box Theater. The gray on the left is costume room, storage room, laundry room, um, kitchen. uh, And there will be an entrance uh, at the bottom left-hand side, the kind of a pale gray, whitish gray. That's going to be entrance to the the storage facility. And also there's parking, and you don't see the parking, but parking is uh, at the bottom. And so we have parking for both the professional dancers and any users of the black box separate from the parking that's on the, the right side of the space, which is for students and um, audience entrance. So it's, I think it's well-designed. I worked with James a lot on this, James Blythe, um, something that would be very protective of children. We didn't want to have it face the streets, um, the 39th and 34th. We wanted it to be something that was a controlled entrance and um, and we also wanted to have a kind of a, a separate feeling going into the black box so that you know, the the audience members would not be sucked into all the, the people that are taking classes and, you know, talking and dressing and stuff like that. A totally separate kind of an entrance. So um, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful, well-planned, well-thought-out space. And the design, I think, is gorgeous. It's kind of a nod, actually, to Gethsemane Lutheran Church. Um, if you go back, Zach, to one of the other um, show, the slides or projections or whatever uh, that shows the, um, the uh, let's all tell you when you get there. That one. Nope. One more. Can you do one more? That one. All right. You see those beautiful things that kind of look like stained glass, right? Um, it's kind of a nod to Gethsemane Lutheran Church because they were so special. Uh, we worked with them for at least two years, and James Roberts, who's on our board, is the um, capital campaign chairman. He negotiated everything. Uh, he's been a long-time lawyer in, in every every aspect and, and chief counsel of Shands for many years. Um, and he has done nothing short of a magnificent job in handling everything. This This beautiful facility, if you can see, those are like a garage doors and they will open to a reception area. So it can be a completely open reception area um, and will eventually be screened in right there. It doesn't appear as it's screened in, but it will be screened in just, you know, with fans overhead and that kind of thing. So I love the I love the fact that it's a metal building. We wanted metal because, one, it's less expensive. Two, it can go higher and wider without supports underneath. And for dance and for black box, you want to have that. Um, it's less expensive. It lasts longer. It's larger. Um, the roof will not be metal because we don't want a racket when we've got performances going on. But um, I just think it was just an ingenious design. Very classic, very vibrant um, I think it's going to be one of those, those pieces that's going to be lasting and represent Gainesville well, I think, for the arts.
2: Yeah. Looking at the chat line here, if you have anything you want to ask or pass along, we'll do that. Yes, we'll mention the upcoming season in a moment, and we'll mention Meet the Dancers. But uh, just to recap for you, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Kim Tuttle. Uh, this is a dream sort of um, come true. It's still got to be actually brought out of the ground. That's going to take a big capital campaign. Uh, We're lining up people now who want to help. We're lining up donations now. Uh, No uh, amount is too small nor too large. And we've got some pretty significant contributions, we think, that are going to be made by people in the community who are capable of doing this and uh, really understand the significance of this contribution. It's really a contribution for a long time after all of us are gone because um, I don't know of anything like this. Um, it is a it is combination of visual art, uh, physical art. Uh, uh, I don't know. There's no limit. So it's uh, it's been uh, a very enjoyable b- to be a part of it. And when you're doing something like this and you see how many things were dead ends as we tried this. Uh, Kim, boy, I tell you, we hit some dead ends, didn't we? Yep. Yep. We tried and tried. We went so many different places. Uh, I'm just
1: so appreciative of Gethsemane Lutheran Church for selecting us because they had anybody, everybody wanted that spot. It's prime location, prime, beautiful
2: location. So um, let's talk for a moment. We got ten minutes left in this segment. Uh, what's the upcoming season going to be like? If you'd like to talk about that, Anything sure. And the meet the dancers, the um, champagne gala,
1: the whole. Yep. Bit. Well, we have four major performances at the Phillips Center. And uh, those are Swan Lake. We had such a reception last year for Swan Lake that we just decided to do it again. People have been asking for it. So we're doing Swan Lake again in uh, October, then Nutcracker uh, in December. And then we're doing a fun one, Love in the Swamp, in February. I think every gator ought to go. And then we're ending the season with probably the final uh Final ballet that that we need to do as a classic ballet, Giselle. Now, we have to do Swan Lake, we have to do Giselle, we have to do Nutcracker. Um, those are the three that the three big ballets that I really wanted to do. Um we've already done, of course, you know, Nutcracker for years and years, but I really wanted to get Giselle under our belt, and I really wanted to get Swan Lake. You know, all of these dancers that come from all over the world are classical ballet dancers. We do every style, but they are children. They're trained on the classics. they They love the classics. They want to do Swan Lake. Um, we We have to answer all the needs of our public. Our public wants to have things like Nutcracker. They want to have fun things um, like rep shows that are really entertaining for those aficionados that like to see heavy duty kind of contemporary things they want to see fun things they want to see a, a variety of things so we're we're really trying to answer our public's needs and our dancers' needs and our board of trustees' needs and my needs you know as a as the creative artist that kind of uh, leads the company it's a, it's a very interesting balancing act between all of those you can't just it can't be just me it can't be just what the dancers want can't just be what the board wants it can't just be what the the audience wants it has to be a real well thought out combination of uh, programming so that's what we're doing for the big shows we're also doing of course nutcracker in alachua and we're doing nutcracker in ocala and then we're doing it as far west as as oxford mississippi and north up to south carolina and then of course south so we try we're traveling a a lot this year doing nutcracker Uh, we just got back from several um festivals in brazil They have a lot of dance festivals in Brazil and we had some wonderful, wonderful programs there and going again in October. So it's a truly international company. We don't just dance here. and We don't just have dancers from here. We have dancers from all over and we go all over. And it's one of the things about the new building that I'm excited about because we'll be able to have more, more international kind of programming there. We can have conventions there that can't have anywhere else you know it's just exciting prospect of our future and the outreach um, just to to finish up the outreach we are going doing outreach in Alachua after school programming teaching children after school uh, called Dance About we're also doing that in Ocala and we're also doing that in Gainesville then our last programming of course are two major fundraisers one is the Meet the Dancers which is September 22nd at the Cade where we have a small performance a small auction uh, things like you know, mother ginger, uh, backstage passes, uh, point shoe donations, and then of course you're going to meet all the stars that are going to be in the Dancing with the Stars, which is March 30th at Legacy Park. That is exciting because we have a fantastic group of judges. One of them being Lisa Swayze, Patrick Swayze's widow, and um, Deirdre Radler, who is an internationally recognized ballroom. A uh, dancer, and uh, her husband also is a, is recognized uh, internationally, and he will be there, but not judging. And then our own Judy Skinner. So we have three blondes. Thought <laughs> oh, you'd like that, Lord. They're they're fanta- It's fantastic. And of course, Kat Kamek is going to be one of our stars, and uh, she's coming to raise money for us. I have twenty
0: two stars. Twenty three stars. Yeah, quite a
2: lineup of people. How many people did we have we'll have 500 600 about 550 yeah, yeah last year attending
1: I, I expect there'll be more every year because it's really the fun party of the oh, of it's the a fantastic season
2: party yeah fantastic party
1: and a performance i mean you got the stars and, i mean it's just a such a fun time we give good parties
2: it's a very good party uh, anything that we can let out of the bag about catering, who's doing a ring like that settled in?
1: Yeah, well, we're, we're working with Spurriers to do catering and I'm very excited about that. It will be the first time that they will be doing the catering. Um, we're also working with um, Ashley Rodriguez of Grace and Florals. She's a, a new decor person in town that um, just got picked up by HGTV G- for a couple of episodes of Bloom, which is a new program with like you know, they, they show different ways of doing uh, floral designs or, you know, gardening, gardens, those kinds of things. And uh, so, really excited about that because she's something new and different. And um, Goshen Ali are on tour right now in cruise ships. So, um, Elio Piedra uh, was eager to help us out and be a DJ this year. So, we have a DJ. It's going to be fun.
2: Well, it's certainly a lineup of energetic people. And uh, yep. in case of those of you who are looking and watching now and listening to uh, this is uh, the proverbial energizer bunny here. Kim <laughs> uh, I've never known her when she wasn't running uh, max RPMs for <laughs> normal people, but probably three quarters for her. Uh, endless energy. What's your day like the rest of the day? This is just a time out from your day, is it not?
1: Well, getting apartments ready for some of the dancers, uh, those kinds of things, because our season starts uh, the 21st of September and the school starts back next week. So we're getting all of our preparation done for that.
2: Anything yeah. else you'd like to add before we go on the bottom of the hour break?
1: No, I don't think so. I think, you know, we just want you all to support us a lot. Uh, it's an amazing company. It's done amazing work. And we represent the city and the county and the
2: north central Florida really well. It really is a great unifier. Uh, When we talk about that, how everybody has unanimously voted to support it, even the city of Gainesville. Uh, No question asked. Really something else. I've been talking with Kim Tuttle. This is our Dance Alive belated. We would have had it last Thursday. We're having it this Thursday. uh, Discussion where we share with you on the Ward Scott Files, what is going on in the arts in this community. And uh, without arts, you don't have a community. That's what I believe. And whatever I believe is right. Okay, I'm never wrong. <laughs> Thanks so much, Kim. We're going to take the bottom of the hour break and we'll see you later. Okay.
1: Okay. Thank you so much.
2: All right We're break now, for Ward's weather and an update on what's going on around the world in uh, our forecast system, we'll be right back on Ward Scott Files. Stay tuned. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Scott Files Gold Sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On-the-Spot Dry Cleaners, r Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website www.wardscottfiles.com
1: Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy.
2: Can we touch him? No, thanks.
0: Help me! Help! Help! All right. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files with Ward's Weather, brought to you
2: by Lewis Oil. Fossil fuel, Chevron. Boy, what's wrong with that? Well, 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 we um, have our intermittent storms here in our area in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, so that's okay. A little cooler. Eh, Can you tell it? Yeah, you can tell it if you really listen for it, so to speak. Maybe 90 tops today. Maybe a breeze, whatever. Um, But the... um, Long range forecast is uh, what's kind of interesting because the weather pattern this year, according to AccuWeather, is going to be El Nino. That's a regular climate pattern that can reshape the jet stream. El Nino developed early this year when the water near the equator in the eastern Pacific Ocean warmed to at least uh, 0.9 tenths Fahrenheit above the historical average. So the pattern replaced its cooler counterpart, La Nina, which persisted for three consecutive years. So what's that going to be, I mean? Uh, you get ready for a cooler weather, and uh, the temperature uh, will begin to abate here somewhat, and the lingering heat will dissipate, and we may be in for, guess what, a much colder winter. I wonder what they'll say then about climate change when the chillier air comes in around the end of September and all of a sudden you have a clash of the cooler air with warmth and humidity. That's going to ignite some, of course, thunderstorms. So the first frost of the season is supposed to hold off until October for the Northeast and perhaps even November for areas closer to the coast. There you go. Well, travel and govern yourself accordingly. Well, we have many sponsors, as you know. We want to thank all of them, and I do. I want to just bring up, once again, calibercoffeecompany.com. You can see them on our website now. Faith, Family, Firearms, and Coffee. Free shipping at $50 plus. So check them out. Their vision is simple bring the highest quality coffee to you while sharing uh, the Second Amendment passion they have. This coffee is sourced from farms all over the world and roasted locally, and they therefore have a particular uh, approach to coffee that you might find inviting. Well, well, well. Um, what is going on today? Well, supposedly at 4 o'clock today, uh, and they are all nervous as can be about it, uh, Trump is going to appear in, uh, you know, a courtroom again, a federal courtroom. And security and all that kind of business, I understand, is off the charts right now. Uh, people are nervous as the so-called cat on a hot tin roof. Um, you know, this guy Jack Smith has charged, uh, what a name, Jack
0: Smith. I got to think about that. Jack Smith. huh? Has charged Donald Trump with four counts of relating to his challenges
2: to the 2020 presidential election. All these charges relate to that. Conspiracy to defraud the United States the supposed act of fraud is uh, that Trump said, said the election had been stolen despite knowing or at least being told otherwise. Now, Joel Pollock has opined that if pushing a false claim of stolen elections
0: is a federal crime, then, of course, Hillary Clinton the Democratic Party, the media, and the very Department of Justice itself should be charged. Hillary Clinton falsely claimed in 2016 that Russia was colluding with Trump. She got an election lawyer, Mark Ellis. The campaign and the Democratic National Committee, in cahoots, they
2: hired the Fusion GPS opposition research firm
0: to create a phony dossier on Trump's Russia ties. Then, they shopped it successfully to the FBI. And what did the FBI begin doing? It began
2: spying on a Trump campaign aide. Aides like Jake Sullivan continued to spread the Russian collusion
0: claim with the media. Well, well, well. So after Trump won, what happened to the hoax? Well, it took on a new life. Despite uh, conceding to Trump
2: the morning after the election day in 2016,
0: Hillary kept claiming that the election had, in fact, been stolen. Don't you remember all this? So the Department of Justice renewed its surveillance warrants, even, it's turning out now, after it knew the dossier was false. And then the
2: outgoing FBI director, James Comey, triggered the appointment of special counsel Robert the ghoul Mueller
0: to investigate, though he had reason to know there was no evidence of a Russian collusion. And you might recall after Boku amounts of money and time, Robert the Goul Mueller could never find any evidence of a Russian collusion. But this hoax did it not, and Polak opines that it did, undermine the legitimacy for, for un- Trump's administration. Every, every moment, and interfered with his ability to conduct foreign uh, a policy. And then, after Mueller, the ghoul, couldn't find anything, they come up with a 2019 impeachment
2: <laughs> investigation, which focuses on Trump's
0: conversation with the Ukrainian president, but implied that the president was secretly trying to help Russia. Now, in the 2020 election, the perpetrators of the old
2: hoax claimed falsely that Hunter Biden's laptop
0: was Russian disinformation. Let's take time out. Take time out and see if you can digest that. See if you can digest that. Polak says this is the most consequential hoax in modern American history. And yet, nobody, ever, to this day, least of all, Hillary Clinton has been prosecuted for it or even been held remotely responsible for it. No one has ever been targeted for overall fraud. Now, federal fraud Prosecutions, as a consequence of this hoax, Polak speculates, has crept more and more into election procedures and threatened dangerously to jeopardize the country. It is uh, more than just nervous hand like that, which is going on right now about whether some nut will show up today at four o'clock. It's much bigger than that. Now, Polak, Joel Polak, yesterday was on a serious XM Patriot 125
2: podcast. Uh, we've had Polak on the Ward Scott Files. Excellent mind, really, really quality mind.
0: And Polak said on this podcast, that there's a distinct possibility that you could see a situation where Trump is in jail or even in prison. And while in jail or in prison, he wins the election. But while he's in prison and election, he's won and he's the president. He pardons himself and leaves the prison. Polak argues that if false claims of election
2: theft were federal crimes, there's no question but what the Department
0: of Justice should have prosecuted Hillary Clinton. Isn't that interesting? There is a scenario where the chief justice, the chief uh, of the country, the elected president, is in prison, declared the winner, the chief
2: justice goes to the prison and administers the oath of office. The chief justice of the Supreme Court goes to the prison in which Trump is contained and ministers the oath. And then Trump pardons himself and leaves
0: the prison. I don't know, friends. I, I, we're, we're, we're on some very, 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 Strange turf here. The Wall Street Journal has opined that this indictment of Trump offers no new evidence to establish a connection between the riot, the so-called riot, and Trump, beyond Trump's well-known tweets and his public statements. Trump is not charged in this indictment by Smith with encouraging an insurrection. That's the word the Democrats
2: and the press has been using. The indictment concedes that Trump had a right, like every American, to speak publicly about the election and even to claim falsely that there had been an outcome determined a fraud during the election and that he had won. Now you remember
0: the Ward Scott Files was dumped from YouTube for having this discussion. Because it was counter to the accepted public narrative. We're still dumped. So, in other words, according to this Wall Street Journal opine, Trump
2: can lie about the election all he wants. But Smith's indictment says Trump broke the law when he acted on
0: those law, those lies. And what were the actions that he did? Lobbied state officials to hunt for voter fraud.
2: Working with his conspirators to stand up substitute electors in seven states, and even trying to persuade Pence
0: that he had the power to refuse to count electoral votes on January 6th. But according to the legal scholars, this is an overly broad, overly broad theory of conspiracy to defraud the United States. The beep word, the beep, the United States. And this is going to open the United States to problems in the future. For example, if there are any future election challenges, however valid, You will have the problem of a partisan prosecutor. I have I have been watching these prosecutors <clears throat> locally. Brian Kramer. These prosecutors. How shall I say this? We have examples of them. Certainly with Kramer, one can argue it is the boss art. Roto's case, where Kramer turned a civil matter into a criminal matter and even used evidence to do it from one of the parties to the dispute. That's why you don't hear any more about this. They wanted this settled out of the public eye as fast as they could. Currently with the sheriff who has just resigned, the rumors are that the internal procedures of ordering uh, organizing staff has become criminal rather than civil <clears throat> with a violation of statute 112, which we think the sheriff was simply was following legal advice on. And that Kramer has been running a grand jury and subpoenaing people to try to establish this. Criminalizing civil matters Prosecutors like Jack Smith, it doesn't take anything to get an indictment. It doesn't take anything at all. The question is whether the indictment of this President Trump is based on serious charges with enough evidence to convince most Americans that it's justly brought. But most Americans remember because it took place for so long. The Hillary Clinton hoax. <clears throat> the Hillary Clinton hoax. She's still around. She's still claiming the same thing. Locally, I noticed that the parents, at
2: least the squeaky wheel parents at or into the X Y Z
0: bills, apparently showed up at school board and, and actually advocated that the school board break the law. Actually advocated that this school board break the law by deliberately Disobeying the bill signed by DeSantis, House Bill ten sixty nine, that deals with topics related to gender and sexuality. Where are these parents when you're asking for excellence in the three Rs? Are you asking for control of criminal criminal behavior by kids in school? The bill, among other things, says school faculty may not use pronouns other than those that match a student's sex at birth. As a teacher of writing, I never thought I'd see the day. When pronouns, which most people screw up all the time, pronoun agreement, pronoun reference, would become
2: a hot topic at a school board. And it's not for the misuse of them
0: grammatically, it's for the misuse of them politically. It's amazing, it's simply amazing. Bathroom use. Objecting to that. The use of bathrooms for those that sex assigned at birth. Uh, Well, women have objected to being in bathrooms with guys who are still guys, who are in their leering. Yeah, that's local. That's your local school board right now. You would think they'd be more important discussions. You would think parents would come there for meritocracy, a discussion of some sort about meritocracy. In the standards of, meanwhile, we've got teachers, we've got big kids. Hey, We got law enforcement, nobody wants to be a cop. We got teacher shortage. nobody wants to be a teacher. Can't you figure any of this out? Meanwhile, you know, GPD still doesn't have canines. You know that, right? It wouldn't have canines if it weren't for the sheriff. Whom evidently they couldn't get the knuckle under. And played the liberal game. That's one interpretation of her. That the criminal's not the criminal. The person a criminal criminalized is a criminal. So four o'clock today, we'll see what happens, huh? Well, take a look. Keep all this in your mind. I don't know how it's going to work out. I think it's very, very dangerous for the country. It really is election interference in many people's books. Think about it. We'll be back tomorrow with um, a great guest. Warthog Command Center out.